Take your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. In a sermon I have titled, As Virgin Mary Did Confess Your Sin to God. I'll have a little story about that before we get really into the message, but uh, we'll be in Luke chapter 1 and beginning with verse 26 when we get started here. And a little bit later, you might just want to write it down now, but uh, I'll be going to Leviticus if we have the opportunity, going back to Leviticus chapter uh, 12. And I want to see if I have a clock here. Okay, I got her. December 3rd. Okay. All right. I hope that's right, but uh, we'll go with it. Man. And I can't see that one, so I'll just go ahead and go with whatever I'm doing. All right. Okay, well, let's uh, have a word of prayer, then we'll get into it. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to have the undeserved privilege and honor to, to just preach your word, your holy word, the word that you have breathed out and preserved for us today. Thank you for it, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. In the first church that I pastored, uh, when I first took it over, it had a membership of 19. 19 members. The church building itself, I believe, had been converted from a house. And so it, was, it, it wasn't bad. I mean, we had, I think, 11 pews going down each side. And um, so it was enough to get, get a few people in there. And so we were there. Uh, for five and a half years as, as pastor. But I remember we had 19 members. And out front we had a marquee sign. And when I asked about it, uh, well, they said, well, the other pastor used to just to take the letters up there and change the sign, put up there what he wanted. So I guess that was my choice for my, my job at that point. So uh, I'd go to the utility shed in the back of the church and get out letters and put up a, a new sign each week. And usually I'd keep it up for two weeks. I'd t go out on Tuesday morning, climb up that ladder, change the letters, come back down, put the ladder away, and, and, and then uh, let it sit there for two weeks. Well, this particular time, it was near Christmas, and I thought, well, there's uh, a lot of people here. This, this church was on Highway 29 in Cantonment, Florida, which goes right into Pensacola. So there's a lot of traffic on it. It's a, a four-lane highway, so we had a lot of traffic going on it. And so I, I thought, well, hey, it's good to have a sign out there. And so as it was just two weeks before Christmas, I put out a sign that said, As Virgin Mary did, confess your sins to God. I, it was right. It was true. So I thought, well... Put it out there. And so a Tuesday passed. Never heard a word about it. Another Tuesday had just passed, and I was going in that morning. And that morning when I was going in, I was going to change the sign, try to come up with something original like Merry Christmas or something. I didn't know because it was just going, about to go into the week of Christmas. Now, when you first take over a church, you only have 19 members. Uh, you don't have... Uh, a secretary there. You don't have 
uh, a janitor. You don't have any of that. So a lot of times you end up cleaning the bathrooms. You end up mowing the yard. You're the one that ends up answering the telephone most of the time. You're the one that just does those things. And so that's, that's what happened. Now, the Lord blessed us. We were there five and a half years, and we saw an attendance get up to right around the low 70s and had a membership of over 125 before we left. So the Lord did bless. So I praise God for it because he did it. I, that's all I can say is that he did it. Uh, all they had was a kid preacher up there preaching, you know, and so the Lord did great things. But uh, this particular Tuesday, I went in, got there early in the morning, unlocking everything, getting in there, and just about the time I start to head into the shed to get the ladder out to change the sign, telephone rings. I answered the telephone. Now, let me tell you, I, I expected more to get more problems because I started the bus ministry while I was up there, and I was the bus driver. I expected to get complaints, you know, and I, so when the phone rings early in the morning, I said, okay, who'd I hit on Sunday? You know, and just, I just didn't know. But uh, it was that way. But I'd put up that sign and it had been up there for two weeks. It's time to come down and come up with another sign. And so uh, when the phone rang, of course, I answered it. And um, it was the Catholic priest <laughs> from the church in Cantonment, Florida. And he says, you need to take that sign down because it is offensive to us. I said, but it's true. We don't believe that. I says, would you believe it if it was written in the Bible? He said, yes. I said, okay. Then I'll share it with you. And he said, well, what Bible are you using? And I told him I use the King James Bible. He says, let me go get my Bible. Now, I'm not exaggerating this one bit when I said, say this next thing. It took him 10 to 15 minutes to find a King James Bible in his study, I guess, if he has one. And so he finally came back with the King James Bible after about 10 to 15 minutes. And so I took him to our text. And I took him to Leviticus chapter 12. And in our text, we'll read it later, and, and in Leviticus 12, which hopefully we'll get to read later, uh, it's the sin offering that Mary made after the birth of Jesus Christ. And she offered it as she was commanded to do by the Word of God, by the law. So I took him to both these passages, read it to him. I said, she made a sin offering. He said, well, she was just doing that in obedience, not for sin. I replied, well, that is a sin offering. A sin offering is for sin. And so if she had not sinned and she offered a sin offering, she just committed her first sin, she told a lie. He says, well, just take it down because we're offended by it. And so I listened to go on for a minute or two. I said, well, I tell you what, uh, it's, <clears throat> it's scheduled to come down next Tuesday. <laughs> he did not know that he had just earned a week extension on that sign. <laughs> but we got it for him, okay? So he hung up and he never called back again uh, about any sign I put up at all. I never, don't think he uh, called up again. He never tried to threaten us or anything like that after that. But um, uh, nonetheless, 
uh, we got that call. And they said that was offensive to them. Evidently, some of their people had said something to him. But let's look at Luke 1, 26. He says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth. That is, it was the sixth month of Elizabeth who was going to have a baby. That baby would end up being John the Baptist. But earlier in this chapter, you'll find, and in chapter one, should I say, you'll find that sure enough, uh, appeared to, to uh, Elizabeth and her husband. Her husband was the priest. He offered there at the uh, uh, place that he would do the, 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 the offerings, what do you call them, the uh, uh, offerings. Anyway, I, I forget the name of the offering here, and it's here in my Bible, and I need to look at it a little bit better, but I, I'm, not, I'm past that passage right now. But nonetheless, he offered an offering. That was his thing every time. And um, then she was the mother, but they had no children. They were old. They were up in age. They were past childbearing age. They could not have children. And yet God told them, I'm going to bless you with a child. He'd be named John. They asked, why don't you blame, name the baby after yourself? No, it's going to be John. That's what the Lord wanted. So they named it John. And so it was in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy when this baby, uh, uh, when this angel appears there in, in Nazareth. So verse 27 says that the angel had appeared unto a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. Now, a spouse in that day, well, it's like being engaged in today, only a little bit stronger than being engaged in today. A guy gives an engagement ring to somebody and they're engaged and says, we're going to set up a time, get married and so forth. But in that day, when you're spouse, uh, it's like an engagement. But to break that, you'd have to actually get a writing of divorcement, even though they weren't married yet. They'd have to go through that. And so they'd have to have that put away. And so that was, it was something a little bit stronger than what our engagement is today. But it was considered that strong. In an engagement, you're giving your word. Well, they felt in that day, and giving your word, you keep your word. Uh, for some reason, that's lost today about keeping your word. But nonetheless, uh, he comes to a virgin whose name uh, was Mary, but her husband's name, or the one that she's espoused to, is Joseph. Now, keep it in mind, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, after the fall of Adam and Eve, the Lord is talking to Adam, Eve, and the serpent. And he says to Eve and the serpent, I will put enmity between thee, that is the serpent, and the woman, and between thy seed, and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, just a quick reminder. Mary and Joseph are of the house of David. Their progeny goes all the way back to David. Different families, I mean, they weren't brother and sister, but different families, the progeny of David all the way down to that time. And so, 
they are the ones in line. She is the virgin that is chosen to bear the child Jesus. Now, it will not be Joseph's uh, baby, okay? It will not be his baby. As far as him fathering it, the Holy Spirit will father this baby. Not in a sexual way, as sometimes people think of it that way. No, the Holy Spirit will come upon her, and that holy thing which shall be uh, formed in her, made of the, that, that will be called the Son of God. He'll be called God's Son, the Son of God. Now think of that. That holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And she's being told this from an angel. And so, uh, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. How was Satan's head bruised, and how was that seed's heel bruised? I believe we see that with King David. David slew giant, Goliath. That giant is a symbol of sin. He symbolizes sin. David cut off his head, takes his skull, carries it all the way back to Jerusalem. The Bible doesn't say where he exactly buried it in Jerusalem. I have a tendency to believe it was on Golgotha, the hill of the skull, where Jesus was crucified. And when he comes off that cross, that pays the sin forever, and the heel of Jesus comes down off that cross on the head of Satan. Amen. His head is bruised. He can do nothing about it. But that heel of Jesus will raise again in just three days. And going as good as ever. The only way it could have been by a woman who had never known a man sexually would be that she would bear a child by a virgin birth. There was no other way. It would have to be a virgin birth. That's why it's of her seed. The seed is not of the woman. The seed is of a man. So the Holy Spirit came upon her and formed a seed in her that became the Son of God. And so the angel came unto her and said, Hell, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And cast in her mind, uh, what manner of salutation should this be? Now, you know, that's one of the harder things that I have a hard time looking at. An angel? I mean, how many times have an angel has just appeared to you and started talking? So this angel appears to her out of nowhere, starts talking. And instead of being one of those people who just said, ah, you know, scared, screaming or something like that. No, she is there trying to figure out what does this mean? She, she, is, she seems to be at peace as far as not being afraid of an angel. She is more thinking, what is this? What, what does this mean? What is God trying to say to me through his messenger, this angel? And so the angel said unto her, 
Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and shalt bring forth a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. Now, isn't it interesting that when Joseph was informed of this in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, that uh, he told Joseph Mary would conceive of the Holy Ghost. He told Joseph that you would call his name Jesus. Joseph is engaged to her, but they have not come together as husband and wife. And now he knows that they're going to hear it from here to yonder to know to say, wait a minute. Don't tell us that she is expecting a child with no earthly human husband. Don't tell us that. No, they knew that was coming. But you know, God always stands up for his own. So in verse 32, he says, He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. Can't go any higher than God the Father. He is the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And that will happen. Do you realize if you're saved, you'll get to see that happen when Jesus comes back and they establish a reign there in Jerusalem. And he sits upon the throne of his father David. Verse 33 says, and he shall reign forever. He shall reign uh, over, shall I say, the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. Even after the millennial reign, Satan will be loose for a short season to try to end it. And he won't be able to do it. I believe that he's deceiving the nations of the world of that day saying, I got out of hell. So what don't you think I can do it? And. Some of them will be dumb enough to believe it and get in it, surround Jerusalem. Then they're all destroyed and they're all back in hell, only worse this time. And of his kingdom, there is no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And the reason, sometimes you miss that, the power of the highest overshadowed her. Well, the Holy Spirit came upon her. What did he do? He formed a seed inside of Mary. What did the power of the highest, Almighty God, do? He began from the moment that seed was formed inside of Mary by the Holy Ghost to form the baby Jesus. And I'll show that to you probably next week in the sermon I'm preaching next week. Therefore... Also, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Why? Because God formed him. Verse 36 says, And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And by the way, that is still true today. With God, nothing is impossible. And Mary said, Behold, 
the handmaid of the Lord. Be it to me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Very few would be convinced that this was a virgin birth. As a matter of fact, in uh, John chapter 2, some said to him that he was born. Basically, they're saying, you were born out of wedlock. He wasn't. But that's what they were trying to say to him at that time in John chapter 2. But you see, God is never wrong. They couldn't believe in a virgin birth, but God is never wrong. He said it would be of the seed of the woman. My friend, it was. So in verse 39, and Mary arose from uh, in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. Now understand, the Holy Spirit's come upon her. The angel departed. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon her. Seed is formed. And then the father is already at work. She takes off because the angel told her about her cousin, Elizabeth, old in age now, and she is with child. And so it says in verse 30, and she entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe looped uh, uh, leaped in her womb. In other words, John the Baptist was in the womb of his mother Elizabeth, and when Jesus entered, that baby, six months inside its mother at this point, suddenly leaps. And Elizabeth, that we're told next, was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed be the fruit of thy womb. You know, this is the fulfillment of the promise in Genesis chapter 3 of the seed. And verse 43 says, And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. And lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe looped, uh, leaped in my womb for joy. Now, many of you young fathers remember the first time you felt the baby kick and you got to see that and you, you and your wife got so excited about those things. But uh, I don't think you ever had a leap like that and the mother knew what it was about. You know, that baby leaped and, and the mother knew what it was all about and the Holy Spirit had filled her. She knew what it was all about. And this is what they were told from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Guess what? Mary had a Savior. God was her Savior. Elizabeth called Mary the mother of my Lord. 
in verse 43. But what she was saying is that she acknowledged right then that Mary, who suddenly leaves Nazareth and goes straight up the road, up the hill, up to where she finds where they live, to Elizabeth's house. And I believe that she was led of the Lord to do that. To Elizabeth, who is with child. And the spirit she received from God at the conception led her all the way. The Holy Spirit came upon her that very moment and placed that seed in her and God took over. And from that point forward, it was all about Jesus. Just like as a young couple, it's all about that baby now, isn't it? The very moment that that baby, the seed was placed and the father started to form it, that was the very moment of conception in Mary. The very moment of conception. Why do you say the father was there to form the baby? Yes. But remember, our spirit, when I was born, before I was born, I received a spirit from God. You received a spirit from God. We all have a human spirit. Our human spirit comes to us at conception. And in the case of Jesus Christ, there was no difference. There was a human spirit at conception. And at that moment is when the father began to form that baby. That is why every person who names the name of Jesus Christ says they are saved. They say they believe this book should know beyond any shadow of the doubt that abortion is cold-blooded murder. And that is why, or else they would have killed the Son of God. Because, hey, she's not married yet. She's a poor girl. Oh, that baby is going to grow up in poverty. We need to put him to death. It'll be just a, oh, such a terrible thing on society to let that child be born. That's the way they would handle a baby today. But you see, they weren't dealing with today, and today wasn't dealing with Jesus Christ. If they were, they would be dead in their tracks. And so, we go on to Luke chapter 2, verse 7, and it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Now, <laughs> I have never preached an entire sermon on Luke chapter 2, verse 7. But the interesting thing is, is that when I was seven years old, my dad's first church that he pastored up in Hickson, Tennessee, the old Friendship Baptist Church at that time, and I had a part in the Christmas play in the church building in front of all the people, and I had to quote Luke chapter 2, verse 7 by myself. And so I, I always said that. And I said, well, we already did a sermon on that. I just got through the verse, you know. And so, but I remember doing that way back then at seven years old. But that's a year or two ago at least. Uh, but 
they laid them in a manger. Now, when we got to Israel, we talked about Israel earlier. Well, when we got to Israel, a lot of people got to see what a manger was. And it's not something like what we see today. That was a rock thing. And it was a, really a feeding trough for the animals. And, but they had the hay in there and they got it ready. And that's where they laid the baby in that feeding trough, the manger for her. And so uh, for the baby, should I say, and she put her baby in there. And so there was no room for them in the inn. And so they stayed in that cave. Drop down now to verse 21. And it says, When eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. That's when they would go for that circumcision and the official name would be given to the child. The angel had already told him, call him Jesus. God had already told him, call him Jesus. So that was going to be the name was Jesus. The Father in heaven gave the name to his only begotten son. And so he was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23, as it is written, in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or young pigeons, two young pigeons. Joseph and Mary were poor. So that's why they would have the two turtle doves and two young pigeons, because that was the offering for the poor. Now I'm going to take you to Leviticus chapter 12. And I want to let you see where that comes from. Beginning there in Leviticus 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived and have born a child, then she shall be unclean seven days, according to the days of separation for her infirmity. She shall be unclean. Now, not the baby. She shall be unclean. The baby Jesus was not unclean. That was a sinless son of God. So, this ceremony for the uncleanness was speaking not of hygiene. No, it speaks of sin. Why? Because whether it was a lamb, they could offer lamb. The rich could offer lamb. They weren't rich. So it's the turtle doves or the pigeons, but it was still blood. Why? Why? Because the blood was the payment for sin. That baby didn't have sin. That was the baby Jesus. Didn't inherit a sin nature. It had to be offered for the mother. He said to bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering 
and a young pigeon or turtle dove, which are the words that we found in Luke chapter 2, verse 24. But bring that, those for a sin offering. It is a sin offering. Why is it called a sin offering? Because it's a sin offering. It's for her sin. Bring it unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, unto the priest, who will offer it before the Lord and make an atonement for her. That is for the mother. Mary had to have an atonement made for her. The baby was clean. It was the mother that needed the atonement. She shall be cleansed from the issue of her blood. This is the law for her that hath born a male or a female. And if she be not able to bring a lamb, then she shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Joseph and Mary were just poor people the Lord chose. But they were more honorable that he could trust them more than he could the rich or anybody else with his only begotten son. The one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her and she shall be clean. We have a song we sing. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Why? Because sin is in us, my friend. We are born sinners. Do you realize that? Every one of us are born headed to hell. Now, I've never been up there when babies are born and go up there and stand by the parents and say, boy, I hope that child gets saved before he goes to hell. And I've never said that. That would be unkind. That wouldn't be right. Besides, they might be Calvinists. They may not know. But um, uh, they... They, they still had that same thing going there. You've got a baby. That baby has inherited the mother's sin nature, the father's sin nature. But that baby will start out having never sinned, but the day will come that child shall sin. There's not a person walking on the face of this earth. There's not a person that has really lived on the face of this earth and said they have never sinned except the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the only one. Mary's sin, Joseph's sin. That's why they called him their Savior. And so, as a believer, she did what she was supposed to do. Just as a Christian should do that. First John 1, 9, but as many as confessed uh, are... As, if we confess our sins, uh, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But you just don't say, forgive me, Lord, of all my sins. No, he says, confess your sins, uh, plural. Name them to him. Lord, I've done this. I know it's wrong. I know it's sin. Name them to him. Now, some people like to give, stand up in the church and give testimonies about how terrible the sins were that they used to do. And they tell you all about the sins and very little about the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Very little about the change in their life. They just tell you what they were saved from. 
And it's almost like the sins, they magnify the sins that they did. No, no. That's between you and God. Let him know the sins that you've done. Confess to him. You'll have loved ones that will know some of the sins of your life. But let them know that you've changed from that. You've turned to Jesus. He's cleansed you by his blood. Mary had never sinned. Or she had sinned. Because she offered a sin offering. Because if she had not sinned and she offered a sin offering again, that would make her a liar. All liars have their part in the lake that burneth with fire. That's what God said. She would have sinned. But we see clearly she obeyed the word of God. We're told here she obeyed. She offered a sin offering. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, if she had not sinned, why would she say, God my Savior? And if she was deity, as Catholicism tries to point out, they believe that she was a God. And if she had sinned, then why did she need a Savior? Jesus didn't need a Savior. The Father doesn't need a Savior. Mary needed a Savior. And she admitted it. And she praised God for it, that she had a Savior, and she got to bear the Savior of the world. As a matter of fact, if you read in John chapter 2, you'll find out that Jesus kind of had to rebuke his mother. Because she was wanting to put him up in this way. Hey, whatever my son says to you, do it, because boy, he's got it. Boy, he's, you know, she was just really putting forth her son as a mother likes to brag about, well, my, my son ought to get to have the first part in the play. My son ought to be able to start. My daughter ought to be able to uh, sing that part. My, my son or my daughter ought to get to do, to do that. Well, Mary got a little bit about that with her. And, and Jesus says, you don't know what it's about. It's not about pride in me. It's about knowing me as the Lord and Savior. You see, that was the difference. And that's the difference in your life. It's the difference in my life. I had to admit today that I was a sinner. And I'll tell you something to that. Jesus saved me. But I'll add up to that. There rarely a day goes by that I don't uh, say, Lord, forgive me of my sin or talk about something that, Lord, that was wrong. I mean, goodness gracious. I'm a sinner saved by grace, not my works. My friend, if you've not confessed that you're a sinner, you've not admitted I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. And by the way, you know that verse, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you realize the glory of God is Jesus Christ? And if you say, I don't need to be saved, I'm good enough, then you're saying, I'm just as good as Jesus Christ, Almighty God, come in the flesh. And that's blasphemy. God admit, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And believing that, you turn to Him in repentance and faith, giving your heart and life to Him, receiving Him into your life as your Lord, receiving Him into your life as your God, receiving Him into your life as your Savior. Receive Him today. 
And if you've not done that, I can tell you, not on my authority, I can tell you on the authority of the Word of God, which is never wrong, has never lied. There's not one error in the Word of God. And I can tell you, based on that authority, that you're headed straight to hell until you admit you're a sinner, confess it, and repent, and turn to Jesus Christ, turning your life over to Him. My friend, if you've not done that, today's the day. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus today. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray now as we get ready here to sing Hymn 481, I just pray, Lord, that that song says, just as I am, and that's how we come to you, just as we are right now. Lord, perhaps there are people that need to come today, right when we start singing, and say, Pastor, just come right up here to me and say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved, and I can direct them, Lord, to one of these men or one of these ladies up here that can open the Bible and show them how to be saved. Perhaps there's a Christian that just needs to come and there's some sin in their life and they just say, Lord, it's got victory over me. I don't have victory over it. I've come to confess it and ask you for the victory. And Lord, I pray that they'd have the wisdom to do that. Maybe they need to see me and have someone pray with them as well to uh, pray for the victory in their life. But Lord, whatever it is, I pray to be taken care of in this invitation. In Christ's name, amen.